the Latin Monkey Music Show there, John, from uh, Raven. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, mate. Very good to be here. Thank you. Excellent, excellent. Um, how are you doing for COVID? <laughs> uh, is that really a thing? <laughs> right? It's the apocalypse. Right? Uh, we're very lucky. It, it hasn't... I mean, it made us postpone a lot of stuff, but we actually started postponing like the album, which came mm -hmm. out on September 18th. And what was going to be the corresponding tour got kicked in the next year. But uh, that happened. And then literally two weeks later, it was like, oh, there's a pandemic. Hey, hey, shut everything down. So, you know, at this point, everyone's in the same boat. We, yeah, how has it affected you? The album well, we had dates booked for February in Europe, which are probably going to get pushed back to about May. We're waiting to hear about that. But uh, otherwise, uh, just took the time to work on more music. You know, what are you going to do? Well, I've heard there's two schools of approach. Some people are like, we're going to put the music out there and the fans want it because they're starved and they think it's going to sell or move. And some people are like, I'm not going to put out new music because it's not going to move because I can't tour with it. So you kind of got forced into putting it out there. Is it well, we could have stopped too, but we just said, you know, we're putting it out in September and this still went on. We just said, yeah, let's put it out in September. If we're it, lucky, things will it, change. And if they don't, people will be hungry. And it's actually worked out great because, like you say, people are starved. They are listening to music. So, they are buying okay. it. Good. And the reaction was phenomenal. Uh, We've never had reviews this good, and that many of them. And of course, the reaction from the fans is where it's most important. It's been awesome. So well, it just makes people, pretty, you know, anticipation for when we do get to play them live. It's, it's produced well. You have a really good sound too. It's not like a a garage sound. It's a really good, well produced album. Well, I, I would vocals hope are not strong. I would hope not at this point. <laughs> well, you don't know. People getting bounced around with different labels, money. People, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it, it, quite often it does come down to money, but it, it's it's pretty difficult at this day and age with a, the way the technology is to have something sound, you know, like really crappy. You, yeah. you really got to work hard at it, I think. Uh, you know, and you can literally create a decent sounding record in your bedroom. You can if you know what you're doing. Some people yeah. still overdo it. <laughs> I'm talking about it was mixed good. It has a good mix. No, well, it, it, it's, I mean, it it's good. It all comes down to the songs, but the, the playing, we raised the bar, we raised the songs on right, the bar on writing the songs. We had Michael Wagner in engineering the guitar, bass, and vocals. He's great. Mike Heller did his own drums because he's, you know, he's crazy like that, but he did a great job. And we've got this guy, Zeus, in the mix who just knocked it out of the park. It's got that great mix between the, the old school feel and um, a more modern production, you know, without it sounding Dated fake or, and yeah. nasty, you know. What number of albums is this for you? Sorry? What number is this release? Uh, I think it's the 14th studio album. Wow. Wow. So let's let's so like three live albums, a bunch of EPs yeah. and compilations and God knows what else. Well, I know you, well, um, so let's go back to the very beginning. So you, you and your brother, starting out with music how'd that start like your family music well first the earth cooled <laughs> then came the dinosaurs, dinosaurs. <laughs> well they got turned into oil and the saudis came and put them into mercedes benzes uh, <laughs> as this year uh well, so we were just kids that yeah. loved music uh 
and the music we heard was on top of the pops in England. The, you know, like uh, the equivalent of what's his name, uh, like Solid Gold or Dick Clark and Dick yeah. Clark. That's the yep. word I'm looking for. That kind of crap, right? But uh, back in the early seventies, it was Slade and Sweets and Status Quo and stuff like that. And yeah. First band we went to see was Slade with love, the sensational Alex Harvey band opening, and for different reasons, really, both of them blew our minds and changed our lives. And it was like, we're going to form a band. So the, the next year, we decided we were going to form a band, and we had one acoustic guitar between us, and, you know, bugged our parents for cheap electrics and stole radiograms out of dumpsters to try and connect the wires to make them work as guitar amplifiers, all kinds nice. of crazy nonsense. And That's just cool. it went from there. Did you guys both gravitate to the instruments you have, or did you kind of like play around with different ones? Uh, you mean as far as bass or guitar yeah, or yeah, trumpets yeah. and all that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Mark and the guy down the street, Paul, came and said, we're going to form a band and you can play the bass. And I was like, that's great. Because I was already tuning down the guitar, trying to figure out how to play some bass lines and stuff. Yeah. So a, yeah, a lot of it, brothers usually, you know, any music bands are always like, yeah, I had the guitar, I put it down, or you know what I mean? It always seems like the other one kind of they, so it's kind of different to actually have you be like, nope, that's what I wanted. <laughs> no, that it did work out fine for me, and I mean, I've never stopped playing guitar mm. all the way through, which uh, it's always good playing another instrument. I mean, even if instruments that are as close as bass and guitar, just it gives you a better view of the overall picture and how stuff fits in together, you know. I mean, I, I know there's a lot of, I've run into a lot of bass players that couldn't play a, a note on guitar. And I just think that's strange. You really need to, you know, you, you want a wider perspective. It's yeah. it's kind of like bands that listen to two bands and they're like, yeah, they're my favorite bands and I'm going to form a band and my music's going to sound like this. It's like, what, why? Why would you do that? So the, the whole thing is to, you know, give it a different perspective and, and try and bring different stuff in and do that, you know? Cool. So, um, your first albums, you were, uh, I know that you guys had gone through like different images and different record labels. How did that go about? Like your first couple albums, first you got, I know you got signed and then you, it was like the same label for like two, two or three year albums before you got picked up in the major. Yeah, we were on an independent label called Neat in yeah. England for the first three albums. Uh, and you know, pretty much the master of our domain and our direction. Uh, we signed a major deal with Atlantic and got a deal based on the album we'd recorded. And then they decided to, you know, put the big feet into the mix for the second album, which came out an awful lot more commercial, uh, which, you know, kind of alienated a lot of fans and made us do a lot of... Uh, self-examination and say this is not what we got into this for so from now on i don't care if two people like it or two million whatever the story is we're going to please ourselves again as we used to um we did an ep which was the mad ep and then we did a full-fledged album life's a bitch and we were basically back on track and have done our own thing ever since you know but uh we were on atlantic 
and they were famous back then in the middle eighties for taking bands and trying to strip mine them and ruin them because they didn't have a clue what they were doing. I don't think any label has got any good reputation from the eighties from every band. They just, all the big labels are just horrible. They're all horrible. It's occasionally this, this, uh, you know, like a good A&R guy, like back in the day, Atlantic, you would have, you know, like Ahmed Erdogan or Mm -hmm. Jerry Wexler. Uh, I mean, Ahmed Erdogan was, you know, instrumental in getting Zeppelin out there to the Mm -hmm. people and people like Phil Carson in England, who was with Atlantic, you know, with ACDC and, you know, those, those, you have like a, a key guy who who makes it happen, and then when he's gone, yeah, forget it. You, you, you're back to dealing up. with uh, the selling the baked beans. You know, <laughs> they haven't got a clue. I mean, so many things in Atlantic we saw with the personnel there was exactly like Spinal Tap. Really, where they have the the, the album launch party with uh, Bobby Fitkin or whatever she was called. <laughs> yeah. ju- people just like that, vacuous airheads who didn't know what they were what they were doing. Um. So so from there, at one point when you're touring, so I know rock took a really big hit when grunge came yeah. around. I mean, so it's always interesting to the bands that I talk to now that have survived. Is fantastic because clearly put your head down and kept going, put a helmet on and just chug down through, come out stronger. That's well, I mean, that's that's our nature. I mean, well, from some where bands, we're from, some bands couldn't do it, they couldn't just, they just you know, I mean, so no, but, a lot of bands didn't, a lot of bands just broke up or that they had these strange deals where you know they they were basically chipped down and say you didn't do well last time so now you're only going to get uh, what 20 grand and back in the day that would be a death sentence oh i can't do a record for 20 grand That's and then you pay it back too <laughs> and then it's like oh we've got all these merchandise deals and we're personally liable for them. at least we were smart enough with a lot of stuff like that it was done corporate and you know you're chasing the corporation oh sorry corporations folded nice. <laughs> <laughs> tough Tell you a funny one. We owed a publishing company a lot of money. They'd given us a big advance. And of course, it all disappeared, usually into other people's pockets, but it, it all disappeared. And I would occasionally get letters saying, hey, you guys doing a new record? You know, mm-hmm. it'd be nice to get paid back on something. say, nope. Even though we'd put two or three out by that point. <laughs> and then, so we owed, owed them, I don't know, 30, 40 grand. And I start getting reports and it's going down. Like, wow, we're making money. And you could say the the song of ours on Stay Hard, one of the songs, just, on and on. you know, getting a lot of plays. Right? That's weird. And then all of a sudden we got a call and they, oh, sorry, we fixed it. It was When the Going Gets Tough, our song. They'd mixed it up with Billy Ocean's When the Going Gets Tough. We were getting <laughs> all his royalties. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, sorry. So you get a nice bill readjusted, right? Back to the real world, huh? Uh, then it went back to where it was, and then that company went bust and got, you know, f- forget it. You know, it's, uh, uh, you know, the little fish gets eaten by the bigger fish. It goes on and on and on with that. 
it's the same as uh, like our catalogue now is technically with BMG, but we're already fighting to get it all back. But I mean, before BMG, it was Universal. Before Universal, it was Sanctuary. Yeah. That's just on the, the early albums, you know, so all that well, stuff gets... That we need to get all your rights back to it again. Yeah, yeah that's the plan. Uh, we just have to... We're just scraping up some money now. We're going to pay... And we will, I think that one of them, that there's an issue. I think it's actually BMG. They're dragging their feet with a lot of people. So it's probably going to be a class action lawsuit to get it all back. But we will get it all back. Um, and then we can at our leisure do the whole box set trip, which will be a lot of fun because, you know, we got a lot of stuff and it pains me to see the early catalogue getting bought and repackaged. Uh, without a great deal of input from us. And at this point, I have no interest in giving somebody else input on it. I want to do it right myself, you know. Well, when, you can, when you own it, you can sell it. and you sell well, less. I mean, you'll, you'll make more money off of less it, selling. Initially, we, we, of course, will make the money, which is right. a, a great motivating factor. But it, it's also historically been really good to do it right with, well, you know, the, the forwarders, the stories, extra trucks and what have you, you know, do it right. Well, that's, this is the industry, the rock metal industry. That's what, as fans, we like to touch stuff on the vinyl or the CDs. Yeah. Pull it out and you want to touch it and you want to see all the, the liner notes and you're reading who's the producer and who's, who's this and who wrote this song and, you know, that's this. Yeah, that, that, that whole faceless electronic yeah. download. It's not like you can song. have the, uh, you can have the, um, like a classical music and just have the printout of Bach on it and like, and the back of like three names on it because no one really cares that genre, which is want to listen to it. But in this industry, everyone wants all the details, you know? Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's from way back when you would have like the jazz stuff. They would have these, you know, long, whatever, paragraphs and paragraphs of information about, you know, like see like a Miles Davis album or yeah. something. You would have all this stuff on. And it, and it went from that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's almost, especially outside of metal, it's a lost art. But it, the whole immersive, you know, I have a physical item, like you said, I have artwork, I have stuff to read. And, you know, instead of being plugged into what used to be MTV and somebody yeah. telling you how you should experience it, experience it for yourself, you know. Well, the resurgence of vinyl, too, has kind of helped on some level because, once again, it's another dedicated, but it depends on how many you can make. I know there's a cost factor of printing just enough to make a profit. But like vinyl is just like, once again, there's more, more room to print. You know, if I, if I buy secondhand albums or whatever, I get some records and I'll go through them like, oh, it's got, this one's got Kiss, it's got a poster and the Zeppelin one with a crazy thing. I like, it's got all these great different things going on with it. You can just, you know. Yeah, so. I mean, I put up a song the other day of an old band called Family. They had an album called Bandstand and the cover looked like an old black and white TV. And it was like cuts and you could look into it and it, on the back, it had the back of the TV with all the stuff on it. it just, you know, it was amazing. It looked real. They could art, do all this stuff. Yeah, like art direction was actually art direction. Instead of just <laughs> yeah. a, yeah, a Photoshop was, picture on it. Yeah, and then it got to CDs and it was just like, well, let's just put the splodge of red on or something so it'll catch people's eyes, you know. Uh, we were able to knock it out of the park in, in both formats on this new album, but uh, Metal City, because it looks like a comic book. It's very colorful. It stands out. And there's a lot of art inside. And 
I mean, obviously the 12 inch by 12 inch format of an album's far more fun and interesting and, and you can get more detailed. Uh, but luckily enough with, with the, uh, the CD thing, it worked out. I mean, you got to think back cassettes. <laughs> Nobody designed for cassettes. It was yeah. just an afterthought, wasn't it? I don't even know how they printed it. I mean, I had hundreds of cassettes. I, I don't know how. The lyrics in it? Who could oh, read the it? lyrics. You needed it. You needed freaking Mount Palomar. You needed a telescope. To I know. Read <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was really just obnoxious. It was just like, a, <laughs> to do that. I'm like, just put it some pictures in there. fold out and fold out and fold yep. out. Oh, my God. Eight fold-out pages, yeah. Um, that is That is insane. So between when you did Neat and then you did Atlantic and then I think towards the end of that tenure, there's a time when you guys were touring and your brother got hurt. Well, it, it was the, the, the first thing you said was the, you know, the, the drop the in the whole rock thing, which it initially was like a split. It was metal and then it, everything either had to be thrash or glam. Mm -hmm. And we were neither. We were us. That's the, if nothing else, we, we do have an identity is we're the best Raven style band there is. <laughs> yeah. We may be the only one. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it got tough in America because, you know, somebody flicked the switch, uh, metal is dead, it's all grunge. That was the next thing. Oh, it's all grunge now. And that took a few years before it hit home in Europe. So we concentrated on Europe. We did an album and an EP in Europe and did a couple of tours there. And following that, uh, we concentrated on Japan. I'm going to jump ship here a little bit. Hello. So we concentrated on Japan and, mm. you know, by the time that little chapter ended, we were doing... You know, it was getting better in Europe, to be honest. And what what, what time period was this? Uh, 90, 94, we did an album and we toured in Japan in 95. And then by 97, we did a tour in Europe with uh, Hammerfall. It was their first mm -hmm. tour and Tank. So it was a great bill and, you know, metal was back. And it, it took a while before it came back over here yeah. in America. It, it definitely took a little longer. But, uh, you know, we, we still stuck it out. And then, of course, 2001, my brother gets this terrible accident and, you know, nearly dies. Uh, building fell on him, crushed his legs. And he had a piece of rebar through one calf, both leg, feet disconnected, calf ripped off the other leg, blah, blah, blah. And they wanted, he was going to die. Then they were going to cut his legs off. He said, no, oh. they're going to cut his right leg off. He said, no. Then it was, you'll never walk again. And he said, no. And he, <laughs> proved, them, he proved them all wrong. And in three years after that, we did a, there are a handful of dates in the States with him in a wheelchair, which was uh, daunting and scary. And it was like, is this where we're going to be? You know? Yeah. I mean, he heart and soul and played his ass off. But, uh, you know, 
I remember him stopping in the middle of one song to throw up, wiped his mouth and then got back into the rest of the song because he just had, you know, an operation two weeks earlier. He still had anesthesia on his chest and what have you. And That's some serious hero stuff. Doing mm, that, pushing yeah, but throat. by 2005, we did a couple of festivals. We did a festival in Tampa and he had this gigantic Mad Max leg brace on. So he was standing. And then we did a festival in England, Bloodstock. Again, slightly smaller leg brace. And we did a festival in Germany, Keep It True. Uh, the same slightly smaller leg brace, couldn't really see it. And, you know, and within a couple of years, he was running around smashing guitars as he ever did, you know. Nobody could tell the difference. So... Quite a testament to a, a lot of uh, stubbornness and you know <laughs> mental strength well i can be said well i mean obviously early, early on you got you got rebranded with the uh, i don't know the athletic band label or if that was you guys or the label or yeah the label yeah. slapped out on the first single said athletic rock like what's what that, that? Mean? And so we were like uh, we're all racing with each other here and it's just like who cares you know Call us whatever you want. Just I remember just seeing the picture with you guys with sports to find. That was like my first visual of you guys, though. Yeah, I mean, we were wearing uh, running togs. And then the first one we came to America, Mark got the leg braces and Rob got the helmet because he was always sticking the nut on the cymbals and cutting his head. And it was like, that's not a smart thing to do. Why don't you protect it? Oh, I could wear this helmet. Yeah, that would be fun. And then it just developed and got you know over the top and crazy but uh it did set us aside we looked we looked a little different you know Mm -hmm. we did do you think it hurt or helped you i think it helped us uh i think it got a little too we got a little too carried away with it and of course we had people feeding into that too by the time of the 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 Packers back album cover, we never actually played with the gear that me and Mark had on. Rob had the motocross thing on in the helmet and looked a bit the same, but the other stuff was like, this is uncomfortable and looks retarded, so no one are doing that. So Well, I remember we, like remember the I'm sorry, you didn't step on you when you're talking. Like in the early days when you did it, and even even MTV and other music pop, it was fun. There's like so much different stuff that was going on. There really wasn't an image, you could do all kinds of crazy stuff. But then rock started getting to a point where you did. You had thrash or this and that. And even your metal bands were getting, everyone's wearing black. And everything kind of changed. So if you were still wearing the same things from, you know, that kind of stuff, also you were standing out, you're not in that same. Well, that was it. If you, if you weren't wearing T-shirts and jeans are all black, then you were automatically glam. Right. It's just like utterly ridiculous, you know. Uh, I mean, r- right now we're pretty much you know, dark and leather jackets and T-shirts and Mark wears his knee pads and what have you. Uh, so it's always important to, it is show business. You should dress up a little bit for it rather than just like, uh, you know, wipe your nose and walk on stage with your mechanics yeah. outfit on. Uh, I still believe, you know, that be there's, there's, <laughs> you should definitely try to avoid that. Uh but I, I think that 
per- permeates more than just the clothing. It's just like, yeah, you're dark and you look, you look mean and your, your guitars are black and your music is dark and there's, there's nothing in it. And we're not like that. We're a lot more positive in that the, the, the sound's positive, the messages are usually positive, and we have a lot of fun. You are a very positive. We are very silly. We push each other around and we put that out the audience and we get it back. And it, it makes for a great night, you know. I was just watching a clip of you guys recently and it was a, 2019. And actually then I watched, you know, from the two, literally same crazy people, same same thing. You know, and, and with your music, you're singing, yeah, you're singing songs are more positive and it's less heavy. But I think your music sometimes was heavier, like your guitars are heavier, but then the vocals were a little different. So I think it's why it's like, they couldn't classify you, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it's the, the sound is a, you know, this, this rock Some and roll is really heavy. this heavy. And, and, and the, the way it works is it's a blend of contradictions. You've got a lot of order and you've got a lot of chaos. You've got a lot of melody and you've got a lot of noise. And, you know, when it's in, in the balance, it, 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 it works out. It, it's the right thing, you know, just uh, mindlessly banging a riff out and, you know, screaming or groaning all over the top of it. No, that, that's not a song. We have actual songs. And then, you know, the, the way they're written, there's hooks and there's melodies. And then there's left turns, what lots is the of left turns. For you guys, for songwriting, like, what do you guys do? How's it, how's it, you guys come about your songs? Uh... Well, you know what I'm saying. Like some people have. I, I think there's ways. a lot of. You've probably heard of this from a lot of people, where it's like, uh, you know, the the exaggerated version is no one really comes up with anything. It's all out there, and you tune in, and it comes into you. I like to say I it's a lot Beatles, of truth. The Beatles already wrote everything. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of truth to that. It's like there's this whole universe of sounds, and some people were more gifted at tuning into it. So, you know, you had your Jimi Hendrixes and your Jimmy Page and what mm-hmm. have you, these people who would create a, a whole world of stuff like that and have all these amazing riffs. Um, so on a good day, you're just playing guitar. I, I just pick up, don't think, pick, play. And whatever comes out, I'll record. Because you know, For the last couple of years, I've been very lucky in the, the still... A lot of great stuff still coming out. That's cool. Yeah, I was just talking. And then you, you take that and then you're more analytical afterwards. And sometimes you'll play something all the way through. Other times it's just drifting. Oh, I like that bit, but I don't like this bit. But if I take this part and put that with that, then, you know, you kind of build, you know, building blocks and throw it together and then, you know, work on it a little bit more. We really put ourselves through the ringer on the last, the previous album and we learned a lot of uh not so much tricks but uh, methods to get to the point you know quicker than we did before i'd always have a habit of putting these little hangs in here and there like, i'm not, not doing any of that stuff is it like, oh, well you know we'll fix it later no 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 try and fix it while you're doing it get you know yeah, get it done you know, don't try to you know recook the meal after you've done it. Try and take it right from the, the get go, and just having more clarity of thought. I think. Uh, but we we had these long discussions, me and Martin. We're just like you know, we, we need to we need to have an album where people are talking about that and they're not saying yeah this is pretty good, but those first three albums, man, they were great. 
you get fed up with hearing that after a while and it's an almost an impossible thing to uh, go against because you know people grew up and you're in that sweet spot of being between 15 and 20 year old and that's your album that's in your brain for life it's very hard to compete with that but it can be done you know but at some level though it's almost like that scene you've seen napoleon dynamite with the the, the guys out there playing football that was his, those were his glory days so he's growing up still out there playing football kind of catches catching by the van you know those are certain moments in your life where that was good and the music hit, and you know it was a perfect setting for people it was a perfect that was where they were at sounds were right it hit everybody yeah. is perfect this is a different time you're different people you know yeah. you'd have to hit it differently you know yeah you gotta you just gotta you know you, you can't you know you can't overtly compete with that it's just like well i'm gonna do a song that's kind of like that i mean that's you know that's a losing proposition from the get-go all you can do is uh try and create music that gets you going and hopefully other people will latch on to it I enjoy and we've still that. got that passion for what we do uh 100 we you know we're better players uh we're still as crazy live. We still put on a great show, if not a better show. Uh, you know, there's some things that, uh, you know, the longer you do it, you do get better at it. You know, it's not a, you know, it, it's still a, you know, the, this whole thing about the, a rock and roll band. Remember back as a kid, like people would be taking knocks on the Rolling Stones back in like 73, as them being old and over the hill and finished. <laughs> Because no one had been doing it that long. Now look at them. Now look at them. I'm and now they're probably that. better than they ever were. It's scary. Scary. Mm-hmm. You know? So why not? I mean, they took the cue from some of these jazz guys who'd been out there doing it forever. And it's like, hey, you know, if you if you can do it, you can do it. How you about know? being on tour? Like your, your, your voice. I mean, you, you are a powerful singer. So as you get older... It's, it, you know, are you doing anything to kind of keep up with your voice? Is it just, is it just super strong? Just, some people just, it doesn't matter. Um, in touch wood, I'm good. Uh, I can sing anything I've ever done. I've still got all the same range I've ever had and <laughs> prove it to over and over no, again. No, it sounds like on the album. Way. I mean, like when you're on tour, though, maintain it because sometimes, you know, being on tour, it's more of a challenge. Like, uh, the only challenge is if you don't look after yourself, you know, got to get enough sleep first off. That's paramount. Yeah. The first thing to go when you're tired is your voice every time. So if I have to be the party pooper. I have to get my sleep. Uh, I don't do any of the stupid stuff. Never have, never smoked, very rarely drink anything. Yep. Uh, so it, it's a case of like trying to leave off the coffee. I'm quite the coffee fiend on the road. I just say that's dries you out that's not a great thing to do but uh we've done even recently 15 17 days on the trot on the road boom 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 night after night after night after night not recommended but uh you know it's it's like a muscle you you work it it gets stronger well this is the time frame now for artists where you either it goes on or it goes you know what i'm saying no. Oh, well, I'm definitely. Some people, have, some people, there's, there's people in my age have got no voice whatsoever. Well, you know what I'm saying. Some things so like, you have it. I was just, you know, just listen to your new, your new album compared to your other ones. You know, your voice is still there. Oh yeah. So that's why I was asking you. Said so tour if you have you struggled because some 
or some bands when they go on tour, they blow up their voice in the first four shows. And then they're kind of like, you know, I don't think that's you. So no, I've that's happened to me twice ever in wow. 46 years, twice. We were playing in 1986 with Ingve Manstein. It was yeah. the day Cliff died. Oh. And my voice had gone completely. Croak. And then in 1995, we were in Japan and we were recording a live album. And I had no voice. <laughs> and I was just mainlining tea, lemon and honey. And didn't know until the first note whether I could get through it or not. And I did. And it's okay. You can hear it sounds a little weird, but it's okay. And like, oh, we'll go in the studio next day and I'll, I'll fix some parts. Wait, wait. <laughs> Gone. Sorry, what you heard is what you got. <laughs> so funny. Well, that, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible that your voice still goes on. And, you know, um, what have you been doing now with COVID? Like, just work on songs? Like yeah, I've been doing what I call my bass noodles since uh, probably April. Uh, I did a video for a friend of mine just playing Happy Birthday, and he's like, wow, that's really cool. I says, yeah, this is a new bass. Look what it can do. And Oh, you should put some of that up on the internet. Oh, okay. So bass noodles. Put a two, three-minute video up, and I'm up to like 220 in a row at this point. Where are you putting it's it up? Just like, what's that? Where, where are you putting it up on? It's on Facebook. Facebook. On my Facebook page, John Gallagher Raven. And it's just me playing bass with, you know, cover tunes, freakouts, chordal, and crazy noises, fretless, eight string, four string, tremolo, seven string, whatever. And just basically showing what you can do on the bass. That's awesome. Or at least what I can do. <laughs> the, other, the other thing, so like, do you have any uh, secret skills? I like to ask that. Like a lot of people, like, especially in music, there's like really good cooks or they're like painters. They have some kind of other creative extra thing they do that they're doing now more of, you know? Do you have any other side things? Well, I, I did I did the little doodles that are on the, the, the thank you page in the booklet for the album. Like the the drum and the hand with the fingers coming off yep. and the shattered guitar and all that nonsense. So you which is the first time I've done any of that for a record in many years. So that that's fun doing a bit of that. Uh, I cook. I've got a lovely curry waiting for me after this. <laughs> that's so strong. Once you cook it, everybody knows you're having it. My wife made it last night. <laughs> coming into the driveway, I'm like, we're having curry. <laughs> There's no no denying that sound, the smell. Um, that's a uh, really good stuff. Um, to really wrap it up, though, where at this point are you going to do any streaming, any 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 more promoting of your stuff while you're waiting? Well, I'm going to be doing more of these, you know, the base thing every day. As far as the, you know, this uh, four people or three people as it is in a box doing, no, that, that's not really appealing to us, and it's it's a pain in the neck. You know, Mike's over in California dealing with his uh, total lockdown at the moment. Yeah. And I'm going to be going off to England for Christmas and dealing with their total lockdown. That'll be fun. Definitely a challenge to get there. Oh, 
Yeah, that, so doing that stuff. I mean, some people have done some. I think it's fun when they stretched out and done covers and stuff. There's there's some good stuff out there with that. Oh yeah. But uh, we've been. Uh, we did two videos for the album so far, and we got a third one coming out on Friday. For what? Which one? For and this is an exclusive for the song uh, "Not So Easy." I will. Well, I'm gonna put all the links or anything we're talking about underneath the page too, so people can click on it and go right to yep. all the stuff you want. Okay. Yeah, so I, I didn't check out everything. That, on page and then we got the you know uh, waiting for rescheduled dates in Europe for next year. We're doing the Alcatraz Festival in August in Belgium, which is nice. Good people there. And hopefully a few more. And it's just a question of when it opens up and we'll be out there because the last couple of years, we've hit it really hard. We played a lot of places for the first time. In last year, we didn't do that many gigs, but we did them all in almost consecutive like 30 40 dates in one batch and we played places we know like costa rica ecuador chile china uh australia now how is america touring I, I hear a lot of things people coming into america it's so cost prohibitive and it gets more and more each time that uh yeah it's kind of cost prohibitive everywhere we run it really lean and mean. I mean, it's, I, I, I laugh when I get these people going, oh, man, it's so expensive to tour, you know. My three guitar roadies, they don't know what to do. And I've got the guy who picks my toenails before I play. <laughs> and we've got this uh, triple-decker bus. No, I mean, we, we strip it down to the bone. And it's just like, yeah, okay, I don't need a guitar roadie. I'm the best guitar roadie there is. I, I know my stuff inside out. I don't need to have to filter that through somebody else by paying them three, four hundred dollars a week. You know? yeah. Well, and, and amps have gotten so much better now. They're so small, or, or like your fractal units are like just so much you can do and just take a little head and carry it in on the plane with you and then plug it in to what the other club is. That's sacrilege. You would never do such a thing. <laughs> so, I have my refrigerator base stack. Thank you very much. But I don't carry it. I mean, we carry it here. You know, yeah. uh, but over there, of course, it's uh, it's all rental. But uh, yeah, I mean, you, you got to move some air. Yeah. You got bands who are playing through Kempers and Axe FXs, and they're just playing through the PA. Yeah. And they start playing, and it sounds like they couldn't burst through a paper bag. It sounds dreadful. The guy will dial it in, and eventually, if it's a big hole and a, a big rig like a festival, mm -hmm. it'll sound okay. But initially, no, and especially in clubs, you, no, it, it doesn't sound right. There's, there's no air being moved, and if you're standing at the front, you don't hear anything. It's all on the sides. All you hear is the acoustic kit. <laughs> Very bizarre. I've, I've only heard of a couple of bands doing that. In the past year or two, so I haven't seen any live shows of it. I know, I know, uh, Testament were talking about able to get out some of their gear. I don't remember which it is, so I can't quote me on it, but able to, you know, take down some of their stuff with them. So I don't know. Yeah, Testament were doing it. And once I saw them with that, and it was like, uh, it took a f one song before it got dialed in, and before that, it was god awful. It just sounded like buzzy bees, couldn't hear anything. And they got locked in. Uh, right? Very weird. Accept has been doing something similar. Where it's all 
run through campers and this click tracks through people's ears and there's bands who are far beyond that it's like sabaton with the two laptops going with the choirs and the keyboards and the, the drummers and the guitarists and the singers and the, the guys should just go for a curry let the laptop play you know i don't know That's a lot. and there's bands that play and they have the click track and they have cues Chorus coming up in one, two, three, four. Really? Here comes the solo. One, two, yeah. I love that's a live sound. Not, that's not rock and roll. That's I think freaking Broadway or something. I think the best sounds, best example would be, you know, Pantera when they came out and Cowboys from Hell and you see them live. So when, when Dimebag would go out and do a solo, you would just hear the bass. There's no second guitar, there's no fills. It was just what it was you know what i mean yeah and and, that's that's it i mean that 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 was uh instrumental in the way we developed our sound was going from a four piece to a three piece and all of a sudden everyone's got way more responsibility and way more space and way more opportunity Mm -hmm. you know so you know everyone gets to gets to shine an awful lot more it always seems as if there's a passenger. And if you've ever seen a two-guitar band, when one of the guitars goes down, like they break a string or whatever, mm-hmm. all of a sudden the band sounds a thousand times better when it's down to one guitar. <laughs> it's so strange. I've seen that a few times. I haven't seen that. Um, I, I don't think it's a bad idea if you could scale down a little bit without losing sound in the future for musicians because there's just a lot of stuff to around. But... It, it's, it's a question of sound. You don't want to give it up. You know, the quality. No, it's, uh, you know, it, it's whatever works. I, I think, you know, a lot of people get comfortable with a lot of people in the band and it, there's a lot of padding and a lot of repetition. It's like, yeah, you've got these two guitar players and they're playing the same thing all night and they trade off playing solos. You know, there's some bands that got a little smarter with that where they haven't at least the playing you know complementing parts or harmonies or whatever layered up yeah a little bit more a little bit more creative with that that's fun but uh but live uh sheer volume uh, fills in a few holes <laughs> it does it does and you know i think you know it's good on, on some level because like a lot of bands you also were doing like empty empty uh stacks behind them too so they weren't playing everything or every other one or a lot of it was just, you know, a visual thing from the bands for a while. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it's 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 down to your tones and stuff, especially with playing as a three piece. I have a huge bass sound that's distorted and loud, and uh, you know, it fills a lot of the roles of an extra rhythm, like, like an extra guitar player mm. as well. Uh, Mark's got a huge guitar sound, and we we interlock and we orchestrate. I'm not just you know playing boom, 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 boom underneath what he's doing. It's uh, usually another riff that's similar but different, and it locks in and, and creates something bigger than the sum of the parts, you know? It does. It's a, The layering is good. Well, I want to thank you for, for coming on tonight and, and sharing everything with us. Um, it's been, been a pleasure, man. I'm looking forward awesome. to you coming. I mean, hopefully you'll be out soon. I know the Absolutely. word... The industry word is March, I know. We'll see. Yeah, well, we've waited this long. We'll wait a little longer. So, Merry Christmas and a metal new year to everyone. And we'll see you soon.
Excellent. Thank you. Cheers.